Morning, good morning, good morning. Good to see you all this morning. It's a little blustery. I always forget this until it's this time. So let me mention what we do in, the, in case of inclement weather. I used to say, I'm going to be here if I have to walk. <laughs> I don't know that I'm going to say that anymore, but I will tell you the way we kind of do this, okay, is that I mean, unless the Lord providentially hinders your pastor from being here, I'm going to be here. But I do not anticipate or I would not want to have to go out in bad weather to visit someone in the hospital because someone who should not have tried to come to church tried to come to church. Do you understand? Uh, so I, God gave us a brain, and he expects us to use it. So I'm going to ask that you would uh, please, as we work through that now, Besides, besides that, our primary is our Facebook page. If you're not on our Facebook page, you need to request to be on our Facebook page. We'll look at your name and say, no, we don't. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, you know, you request to be on there. It is a closed group. That's kind of where we would put any changes to the schedule uh, due to weather. Um, we've only on occasion, like I remember a couple years ago, literally like a an hour before the church service started, we got, it just turned cold and all that was water on the parking lot just froze over and just became a uh, ice rink. And so we had to just like, don't come, please. Uh, but anyway, so that's kind of the way we do this. I'm just letting you know so that you can, as I forgot, every time I have this Sunday, I'm like, oh, I should have said something. But anyway, now I have said something and you know. All right, welcome officially. If you're joining us for the first time, please stop by the Welcome Center. We have a gift for you and we want to welcome you officially. If you're joining online for the first time, please scan that QR code. Let us know that you're out there, and we always enjoy hearing from you. This coming Saturday is the IFBF men's meeting that we leave here at 730. We'll get back here about 330. Uh, looking, it's an all-day affair. It doesn't cost anything. They provide you a great lunch. It's usually pulled pork and delicious stuff, and so uh, we invite you to come, guys. It's teenage guys all the way through. Uh, there'll be about 400, three, three to 400 men there. Uh, Mark Herbster is... Uh, Evangelist Mark Herbster is preaching for the day, uh, and uh, they will take up an offering, so I encourage you to do that just to help cover the expenses if you want to help, but if you can't and you don't have that, then don't worry about it, just come anyway, and uh, they'll enjoy having you. Then our missions conference begins the following weekend, uh, January 19th is the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Friday at 7 o'clock, you have a chance to meet one of our missionaries, the, uh, we have the uh, Mackays coming in from uh, Vancouver. Uh, they'll be with us, and then two new missionaries are joining us. Looking forward to getting to know them. Uh, that'll be on Friday at 7 o'clock, and then Saturday at 8 o'clock, men's prayer breakfast, 10 o'clock, ladies' brunch. We do that on purpose so that the uh, ladies can watch the kids for the men's prayer breakfast. The men can watch their kids for the uh, ladies' brunch. You understand that, guys? Uh, and then uh, international dinner is at 4.30. If you know how to make an international meal of some sort, by the way, American is a, na a nation. America is a nation, right? So you can make an American meal. We don't care. But uh, we'll be eating together at 4.30 with the international dinner. We eat with the missionaries. It's always a great time. Uh, you can get on the internet, figure out how to make something unusual. If you want to give something uh, unusual a try, I will try anything you bring. I, food does not scare me at all, and I'll try any of it. So, And then on Sunday, we have our... Uh, um, Sunday school hour will all be in here for the adult Sunday school classes, and we do our, uh, our panel discussion with the missionaries and ask them questions, not just about their mission, their mission but about missions in general. And uh, it's a great time. We always learn a lot. 
then the morning service and the evening service. You'll have a chance to meet all the missionaries, hear from all of them if you come to all of the events that are there, and it's always an exciting time. Uh, dealing with disappointment, ladies, Bible study is coming up. It's going to be starting at the end of the month, so the cost is $10 for the book. You can sign up right out there at the table. Ladies, it's always a great time. They do it uh, Tuesday morning, I'm sorry, Tuesday evening, and a third, am I saying that right? Tuesday evening, Thursday mornings, uh, so Tuesday evening, 7 o'clock, Thursday morning, 9.30, try to accommodate everybody, and it's always a great time, you ladies, so see the table out there, and they can fill you in. And then a friend reminder, please check your mailboxes, uh, Christmas cards, things like that have all come through. Um, many of you have already checked them, but if you haven't done so, please do that. That's just a nice friend reminder. And then before we get to the missionaries of the week, let me add a couple of other things. So... I don't know how to say this other than to say it, all right? Um, there's these chairs that are out there, uh, the gray and white striped chairs. And, uh, you know, they're not expensive pieces of furniture, so it's not like... But uh, every now and again, I walk by, and I wish I could say this was only teenagers, but I walk by and people are actually leaning back in the chairs. Well, lo and behold, it happened. There's one of those chairs in the uh, fellowship hall. I don't know who... What happened? Nobody said anything to me. It's upside down with the leg laying on it. Uh, it fell off. It's going to do that if you keep leaning back on them. So if you'll let me be your grandmother for just a moment, you know, and uh, yeah, you get the idea. So, And then uh, just a, another reminder that on February the 11th, that's coming up faster than we realize, uh, Taylor and Maddie have, are now married. Uh, they came in. We've met them. Uh, and so we're, they'll be coming in to officially candidate. They'll be with us all that day, all Sunday, uh, morning, Sunday, uh, evening. Uh, they'll be here. There'll be an opportunity for you to ask them questions. Now, you know, we're going to be polite, but you can ask them questions, right? And so uh, uh, he'll be graduating with his master's in, in May, and we're praying about the idea of bringing him on to, uh, to replace Pastor Andrew. So if you can just kind of uh, think that through and, and be prayerfully considering it, we've met them already, but uh, we'll have a chance to meet them in more detail then. And then uh, our missionaries of the week are the Tremels down at Fort Bragg. Uh, they say this, it's been a tremendous blessing to see the Lord using our soldiers for the furtherance of the gospel. Wyatt has been very faithful, encouraging his soldiers to come to church. Uh, I can give you at least five names of soldiers he has brought over the last several weeks. So that's, that's an exciting thing to hear. Uh, then he goes on, and I'm going to give you names, just first names. Uh, he says, I normally do not push, publish a list of soldiers, but would like to give you some names of those who could use your prayers. Uh, and uh, so we have uh, Marissa, Kevin, Cody, Aaron, Anton, Joseph, Nathan, Austin, and Eli. So they're working with soldiers there at Fort Bragg and uh, asking God to do some things uh, with them. All right, let's have the men come. We're going to take up the morning offering. I encourage you to... Uh, Give, listen, here's the way we do giving around here. I start out the year like this, and, and uh, the, the men often cringe when I do this. Uh, but here's the reality. If uh, God doesn't need your money, do you understand? God's not a beggar. He doesn't sit there hat in hand thinking, oh, no, how am I going to pay the light bill? God does not need us in this equation. We need him. So we don't give to the Lord because the church is going to go under if we don't give. You guys have given wonderfully. The church is doing great financially. We appreciate it. But we give because God is a gracious, loving, heavenly father who, lo who knows how to give good gifts into his children. And he just wants to, he, he's looking for a reason to bless. 
right? Think of, I say this at Christmas, right after Christmas, because every parent in the room understands this completely. We just, we, we long to be able to give our kid that one gift that they just can't wait to get, right? We, we, and we can't, we anticipate them opening. That's God. He just, he knows how to give good gifts into his children. He's looking for a reason to bless us. And so he says to us, I want you to trust me. Would you just trust me? 10%, give me 10% of your, of your income and I will take care of you. And wow, God just does what he does. So if you, if you are struggling with this and you say, I, churches are so greedy, then keep your money. God doesn't need it. Uh, you know, God's not looking for it. God's looking for ways to bless us. So we give an opportunity for you to do that. If you're visiting with us, by the way, we didn't invite you here to get your money. So just visit with us, all right? Just enjoy the visit. And uh, we'll, we'll appreciate it. Brother Tim, would you ask God's blessing on offering, please? Our dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the privilege of gathering around your word and for the ministry here at Southeast Baptist Tabernacle. And we thank you for the leadership that you've given to us. And as we consider Taylor and Maddie, that you just might give us wisdom and give them wisdom as they seek a place to serve you as well. And we thank you for the Tremels and their work there in, uh, at Fort Bragg. Thank you for the men, the, this man Wyatt, who is actively reaching uh, others, and then the list of names of those that uh, need your assistance. We just ask that you might give them open hearts and that they might see your work in their lives now. And we ask that you might take these our offerings and may your ministry be furthered by our uh, participation in it. In your name we ask it. Amen.
Amen. Thank you, Christy. Go ahead and stand with me. We're going to start our year by lifting up who God is this morning. We'll start by seeing three verses of To God Be the Glory. To God be the glory, great things He has done. So love the world that He gave us His Son, who yielded His life and atonement for sin, and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth be. Epistle of Paul the Apostle to the Romans, chapter 10. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, Say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is, to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is, the word of faith, which we preach, 
that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. May the Lord prosper his word, whereto he sent it. You may be seated. We're going to continue singing to that Savior that we have by saying, Blessed be in the name of the Lord. All praise to missions conference this month, so our theme of the missions conference is Let God Arise. This song was written by Andy Gleiser, and it has this idea that we just lift up who God is. I was talking to our college group this morning that we don't have to do anything to make God look big. We just have to lift up who he is, and people see the majesty and glory that he is. And so that's what this song is talking about. It's talking about how our world is, is struggling, and what needs to be lifted up is Jesus Christ. God needs to be lifted up, and the church needs to do its job just to lift him up. And so We're going to sing the first verse. I'm going to sing it. If you know it, sing with me. If not, join me again. We'll sing the first verse two times through. God's Son is not perceived as God. A darkness blinds the eyes. The children live in ignorance within this veil of lies. Let God arise like dawning light. Let God now showcase Christ, that all the fame of Jesus' name might shatter Satan's night. All right, go ahead and stand with me. We'll join me on that first verse again. We'll learn the first verse here. God's Son is not perceived as God, a darkness blinds the eye. 
Christ came to the cross for me. So think what we're saying as we sing this third.
to sing a song at this time, um, and it has a picture of a courtroom. And what the picture is is this, that Satan comes to the throne room of God, and he says, all these sinners, based on your law of perfect justice, which is demanded, they're all condemned. And then on the opposite side, Jesus Christ stands up and says, you know what, it's not because of what they've done, it's because of what I've done for them. And because of that, we can be justified. Justified by faith alone, peace with God through Christ the Son, righteousness not of my own, I will stand before the throne, justified. God the righteous judge of Wow, 
thank you, Pastor Brett. That is powerful. I stand before the throne just as if I'd never sinned. Justified. Take your Bible. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 5, if you would, please. So uh, the devil, that great accuser of the brethren, we're going to talk about that a little bit today. And I did not know the songs we were going to sing, so anyway. Uh, welcome to all of you who are in the overthrow, overflow over there. We have quite a few over there this morning. Overthrow, yeah, let's, whatever, you get the idea. And uh, it's good to have everybody here. Hope you all had a wonderful holiday. The holidays are done. Now we can breathe. Now winter comes. Oh, well, okay. Uh, this is Miss Irma's last Sunday for several Sundays as she takes off to Florida. We lost Miss Pat last week, so she's already in Florida. Miss Carol's going to have shoulder surgery. She's going to be gone for several weeks. So just so you know, you can say your goodbyes if you need to. Uh, they're all taken off. But um, 1 Peter chapter 5. So I want to look at this uh, topic, you know, the devil is that accuser of the brethren. That's what the Bible says, and that's what that song was about, is the devil literally, by the way, the devil is right when he says, God, they are, these people are wicked, vile sinners, and they should be condemned. In, in fact, the Bible says, he that believeth not is condemned. It's already a done deal. We're already condemned, right? Christ steps in so that we can be justified. And so then Christ steps in, and he literally in the song says, you know, hey, these are the ones I paid for. Uh, they belong to me. They're no longer guilty. They're done. They're, you know, and, and so the devil went from victory in your life and mine who have trusted Christ as Savior, went from victory, and we were condemned on our way to hell, to losing the battle as Christ then pulled us away from that and, and allows us to uh, go to heaven through the blood of his son, or through his blood. So um, that's great. But then what's the devil supposed to do, right? So the devil who can no longer condemn us, who can no longer take us to hell because we no longer are condemned, we are justified, made by the blood of Jesus Christ just as if we'd never sinned, the devil has to fight this battle a different way. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, we have a description of the devil coming up against you and I as believers. Verse 8, Peter writes, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, by the way, this is an adversary, right? The devil, as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. This is what the devil wants to do. He wants to, he wants to stop us. from. He can't take us to hell. He can't condemn us any longer. The blood of Jesus Christ is stronger, is greater than. Read Hebrews. It's better. But what he can do is try to step into our lives and prevent us from being useful to the kingdom of God. And as a roaring lion, that's what he's doing. He's going about seeking whom he may devour does not mean who he can take to hell. It's seeking who he can stop from being usable in the kingdom of God. That's what he's setting out to do. Uh, I've come up with four rhyming words. I don't do that very often. You know me, those of you who've been here. I don't alliterate. I'm, I'm so bad. Uh, if, you, if you like to take notes, good luck. <laughs> I typically just kind of preach through a scripture, a passage of scripture, uh, but I've, I've come up with four rhyming words so you can kind of remember these today, right? He is trying to kill us, still us, chill us, and thrill us. These really honestly describe what the devil's trying to do, and I'm going to show you why. Uh, so I, I only came up with them because they actually fit. I don't 
try to bend over backwards to make things like that happen. But this is what the devil's trying to do. And I want us to be, a, be aware. Here's what the verse 9 says we're supposed to do. We'll read verse 9, then we'll pray. But you and I are not supposed to just take it. Look at verse 9. Whom? That's the devil. We are supposed to him resist steadfast in the faith. You and I are supposed to put on the armor of God and create resistance to what the devil is attempting to do. And there's no one in this room, or in the room over there, that names the name of Christ that is not on this list. Do you understand? The devil is doing everything he can to kill us, still us, chill us, or thrill us out of being usable to the kingdom of God. And then he goes on, Peter does something here, and we'll pray after this, knowing, he says, don't be aware of something, that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Hey, you're not in this alone. The devil's not fighting only you. Do you understand? The devil is the enemy of all of us. Let's pray. Father, as we consider what the devil is trying to do to prevent our usableness within your kingdom, God, may we put up resistance. May we be willing to take that step of faith and be steadfast in our faith to resist uh, this attempt to stop us. God, I will uh, ask you to be with those around the globe who are fighting the same battle. God, help us to uh, resist together. We'll thank and praise you in all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. I tell you, it's a lot easier, I think, if we understand that we're all in this battle and we're all resisting, it's, it's a lot easier, isn't it, usually to do something collectively than it is all by yourself, especially when it's fighting an enemy who is, a, who is a, um, an enemy that is quite the foe, right? And this is a big deal for us. So we need to consider how we're going to resist these things. I'm going to walk through this list for you and throw some verses out and some truths out to you. And, and I want you to be constantly thinking, how can I resist that? How can I resist that? Because what the Bible says. We're to resist this in the faith. It's a step of faith. It's trusting God. So here's the thing. Literally, the devil's like, God, I'm already the victor. And then Jesus walks in, dies for the sins of the whole world, and all of a sudden people start coming to Jesus, and the devil is no longer the victor. He is defeated. He is a defeated enemy already. So we literally have nothing to be afraid of because he's already defeated, but we are aware that in his defeat, he can still impact us, and he's, he's working to, to keep us from being usable to the kingdom of God. First thing I say is trying to kill us. Now, listen, <laughs> I don't necessarily mean physically. You know, now, that might be. It might be very soon, quite honestly. I mean, we are in a world where I, I used to think, I used to think, my grandkids might have to be concerned about suffering persecution. Now, I'm aware that within our lifetime, in the United States of America, we may very well see this. We're already seeing the beginnings of it already. Do you follow anything on Facebook? Have you ever heard of cancel culture? You know who it's, who it's aimed toward? Do you feel like there's a cannon pointing at you right now? Because <laughs> there is. You know, they're trying to still us. That's what they're trying to do. Chill us, thrill us, and kill us to keep us from being usable to the kingdom of God. So we're already, we can see clearly. If you can't see that we're in this battle already, 
you need to wake up. You know, we're in this battle. So how are we going to resist it? That's the key to this. So uh, first thing he's trying to do, I don't know that we're physically, he's trying to kill us. Uh, I think he might be happy if he could, but he's definitely trying to kill our testimony. Would you agree? He's trying to kill our testimony. The Bible says things like this. You're children of the light and children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. We don't walk that way. You see, we walk in the light as he is in the light. God intends for our lives to be put on display. Literally. That's what he says. I'm going to take my children and I'm going to put their lives on display so that everyone can see what it means to have God in your life. We're supposed to walk in the day. But, of course, that makes us easier targets. I mean, it just does, right? Uh, for one, it's, we can easily be seen, but not only can we be seen in the good things that God is doing in our lives, but we can be seen in the ways that we're failing to serve our Savior. And so our testimony is on the line. And, and the devil's out there trying to kill uh, our testimonies in every way that he can. Um, here's what else the Bible says about this concept of us being out there for everyone. In, first, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says this, Ye are our epistle, written in our hearts. Look what it says. Known and read of all men. Literally, God says, I, I'm, I'm, John, I'm putting your life, not just John, this is written to Christians. I'm putting your life on display so that everyone can read the life that you're living. And if the devil can get us to get off course, if the devil can get us to mess up our lives, then the testimony is weakened. Now listen, we're all going to make mistakes. God, here's how God works. God takes our weaknesses and they become his strengths. Have you ever heard the Apostle Paul say, Lord, please take this thorn in the flesh away from me. And what does God say? My grace is sufficient for thee, for, my, for your, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So God takes, even when we mess up, God is able, if we'll let him, God is able to take our blunders and cause Jesus Christ to shine through them. That's what he does. It's an amazing thing that God can do. But we've got to be willing to cooperate with this. I'm not here to beat you up on the things that you can't control or the things that have happened in your past. But I am suggesting that we need to be resisting allowing these things to continue to happen because our testimony is at stake and our usability by God in his kingdom is at stake. We are to be an epistle known and read of all men. We're to walk in the light as he is in the light. We're to be children of the day. That's what God has called us to. Our reputations are on the line, our testimony. Uh, by destroying our testimony and our reputation, and by the way, one of the worst things that has happened in the 21st century is internet pornography. It's destroying. It's destroying the reputations of God's people. Just because I'm a realist and because I deal with it all the time, I'm going to tell you the statistic and I'm going to tell you that I believe it. Here's the statistic. Seven out of ten men who access the Internet in any way will access some form of pornography this year. That's across the board. That means men sitting in this room 
It's across the board. Our testimonies are on the line. And if the devil can do anything to make our... In, our, our testimonies are influence, right? It's our influence. Back when I first became your pastor, I'm, I'll grant you, it's been a while, all right? 32 years ago, when I first became your pastor, I'd go to... Pick a hospital. I'd go to a hospital, and there'd be a sign, about three, usually about three or four of them, marked for clergy parking only. And you could go and slip in there, and it would give you an easy access to the hospital. Slowly, that's eroded. So during COVID... It didn't matter if I was your pastor. No one could get in the hospital to see you. Period. Period. People died alone in hospital beds. And being a pastor meant nothing. Our influence is eroded. There was a time in America where the, the, the schools would approach the local churches and say, what dates should we consider leaving off of our school calendar? That's laughable today. I mean, it's laughable. No one would even considered it at all. I mean, some of you are in shock that it ever happened. <laughs> like, really? Seriously? That? Yes, it happened. The, the, the church had the influence that is eroding. And part of that erosion is because of our testimony. How many of God's men can be found doing wicked things before the kingdom is impacted. And it, it's our testimony that's at stake. And then, of course, with that testimony, it's painted with a broad brush. Uh, sometimes if you bring something up, you know you're perpetuating it rather than just letting it die. But um, do you, you do know that we're an independent fundamental Baptist church, right? Are you aware that there's like a whole industry of internet out there against independent fundamental Baptist churches. They have recovery groups. I'm recovering from the damage of an independent fundamental Baptist church. And I want to say this. Some of it's legitimate. Some independent fundamental Baptist churches hurt their, their flock. Some of it's legitimate. That's what makes it hard. That's what makes this difficult. Because... Christianity is painted with a broad brush, right? If one Christian gets on the internet and says something stupid, all of us have said something stupid. It's a broad brush. And it's a challenge. The devil's out there fighting. What do we do? How do we resist this? He's doing everything he can to kill our influence, and it's easy, if we're not careful, to look out there and think he's winning. But I'll remind you of the song Brett just sung. He's already defeated. Do you understand? He's already defeated. We're on the winning side here. We just need to individually make sure that we're not not slipping our testimony into that other category here for him. He's going to try to chill us, or try to kill us. He's going to try to still us. Now, to still us means simply just to get us to be quiet. If Christians would just be quiet, the devil, in essence, wins, Right? Because how can a man believe except he hear? As long as people are hearing, the gospel is powerful all by itself. As long as people are hearing, the gospel is doing its work. When God's people quit talking, it's a problem. It's a problem. How can they believe except they hear? So the devil, 
in order to fight against us as this roaring lion, is doing everything he can to simply shut us up, to stop us from talking. To keep other people from listening was you know, that influence concept there, but you know, sometimes because if we're not careful, we say, well, nobody's listening anyway, so why, talk, why bother? Have you ever had this conversation? Be honest. You don't have to answer it out loud. Just be honest with yourself. Have you ever had this conversation? Should I witness to that person? Oh, they probably wouldn't care anyway. Have you ever had that conversation? Should I tell that person about Jesus? Oh, they probably don't want to hear it anyway. You ever had that kind of conversation with yourself? The devil's winning. You understand? I mean, this is, this is the roaring lion coming in, seeking whom he may devour, and he's devouring us by taking away the power of our voice. We're, we're, we're seeing this played out politically in America, right? America is about free voice. Take the free voice away, America ceases to be America. We're watching it playing out. And the same thing's happening within the church. All the devil has to do is to shut us up, right? Now, by the way, sometimes that shutting us up is you know, the broad brush we just talked about, right? It shames us. In the, you know. So, Pastor John, where are you pastor? What kind of church is it? I don't know. We're, we're, we're like ashamed to speak up for the, for the cause of Christ. And so if he can shut us up that way, like, you know, we're, just, we're ashamed to be an independent fundamental Baptist uh, because you know, most of them are wacky. Well, I don't know. I, that's a broad brush concept, right? We're Southeast Baptist. You know what the idea of the, the I in independent fundamental Baptist is independent. That means we're all different. We're all different. Go to any other independent fundamental Baptist church, and I promise you it won't be like this one. We're all different. That's kind of the concept of independent. Uh, but, you know, if he can just shut us up by making us afraid to speak, if he, some of the things he does is really... Remember, in, on Wednesdays, we're looking... Uh, right now, on Wednesdays, we're going through... Uh, we're in Genesis, and we're going through Adam and Eve, and the Bible says that the devil was subtle. The devil is subtle. And sometimes shutting us up is as simple as this. Let's just get them talking about something else. I'm amazed. I, I teach at a Christian school, have been teaching at the Christian school almost as long as I've been preaching here. Uh, and um, so I just, just teach one class. But you know what it's hard to get Christian school kids to do? Talk about Jesus. It is. Let's talk about everything else but Jesus. It amazes me that when people come to church, how often we talk about the weather and how often we talk about the games and how often we talk about this and that, and we, we don't talk about Jesus. And if we're, not doing, if we're not talking about Jesus amongst ourselves, how often do we think we're talking about Jesus to a lost and dying world? Sometimes it's just a matter of distraction, right? The devil doesn't have to shut us up by, by making a law that says you can't speak. In fact, for most of us, it would be a good thing if the government stepped in tomorrow and said, churches can no longer preach because you want to see something happen in America, that would cause Christians to rally, right? They can't tell us we can't speak. And all of a sudden, Christians who never spoke a word in their lives will all of a sudden be speaking. But that's not what we ought to be doing. We ought to already be speaking, right? We ought to already be doing this. And all the devil has to do is distract us. You know, just getting, get us off topic. Get us talking about everything but Jesus. Sometimes that shows up in complaining, by the way, but that's another story. Um, the devil tries to chill us. And when I say chill us, what, come, what word comes to mind? Scared. Tries to make us afraid. The devil does everything he can to try to make us afraid. 
By the way, have you ever been afraid? I think you don't have to answer this in that loud. Have you ever been afraid to say some comment on Facebook, internet, or Instagram, uh, you know, TikTok, because you might get canceled? That's the culture we live in. And all of a sudden, you know, when we, when we want to say something about Jesus, we're like afraid to, because, wow. Who, who thought we'd, lived, we'd ever live to see in America where Jesus was controversial? I mean, those of us who are over 50, we, we never dreamed that there would be a day we, Jesus would be controversial in America. And, but we're here. So our kids, our grandkids, you know what they're growing up with? They're growing up with this concept of speaking about Jesus is going to get you in trouble. And you know what? They're right. It's always been true. We just happen to live in some glory days where it wasn't true for our neighborhood. But it's always been true around the globe. It's always been true. Jesus said from the beginning, if you follow me, men are going to hate you, revile you, and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. It's always been true. Now we're starting to feel it. And the devil does everything he can to try to chill us. He puts a fear of people in our hearts, right? The fear of man bringeth a snare, the Bible says. He puts political pressure on us, so we're afraid of what politics is going to mean. You know, you know as churches, we're on a knife's edge. I don't know if you're aware of this. It's kind of a funny thing. We're tax-exempt. Now, we bought into something a few years ago, well, 50 years ago, that we should not have bought into. The Constitution guarantees us to be tax-exempt from the constitutional level. But then they made a law that says you can be tax-exempt, but you need to be a nonprofit organization. Why? We're a church. Churches are always tax-exempt, right? So keep going. Let me... Show you, share with you something. So now we're on the knife's edge because for years we get this form in the mail every year. As long as I've been your pastor, 32 years, I don't know how long this happened before then because I, I wasn't in a position to fill out this form. But you fill out the form, and basically you have to tell how much your property is worth. They want to know how much the furniture is worth. They want to know how much the buildings are worth. They want to know how. Do you know, do you know what I know about this kind of stuff? I mean, quite honestly, on the black market, how much would that pew bring? Nothing. You know, it's kind of worth nothing. You understand? Nobody wants a pew except for us. I mean, it's, it's useless to anybody else. Nobody wants them. So, I mean, what? People, we don't have that much as value. But put it all together from, a, from the world's monetary standpoint. We've got 15 acres, two houses, this building, all the stuff that's in everything else. And you're looking at millions of dollars here. And if the government ever decided the churches had to start paying property taxes, all of a sudden, we're no longer considering Taylor and Maddie. And Pastor Brett's probably iffy, you know? And I'm getting a pay cut. You understand? You can only afford to do so much. That's the knife's edge we're on. Here we are. And so all of a sudden, churches are afraid to say something. Remember a few years back when they started saying, you can't talk about politics from the pulpit. Do you remember when they said that? Do you remember that? We got letters in the mail. You know, if you're going to do that, then that makes you a political entity, and we can start taxing you. That's what they were threatening us with. Well, somebody challenged it, took it to the Supreme Court, and they're like, the Supreme Court finally said, no, churches are exempt from all of this because they're churches. That's what the Constitution says. But I'm telling you, we're on a knife's edge. We're on a knife's edge. And the devil just has to scare us, make us afraid to speak up. 
make us afraid to, to let the truth be heard. And here's the problem. The truth does what? Sets you free. So if we're not speaking it, guess what's never going to happen? People are not going to be free. I'm talking, about spiritual, I'm talking about freedom that really counts. I'm not talking about the freedom to spend your money. I'm talking about the freedom to go to heaven. This is a big deal. I've got to hurry. I've got two more points. I'm out of time. One more point. I'm out of time. Uh, he wants to thrill us. And this is us in America. This is where you come to the lust of flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. If the devil can make this world look more glamorous, look more valuable to us than the things of God, he stops us from being useful for the kingdom. So he, just like he did Jesus, remember when Jesus went to the mount to be tempted and the devil said, hey, Jesus, if you bow down to me, I'll give you all this stuff. That's what he's doing to our kids. Look at it. That's what he's, doing. he's promising to our kids all this stuff. All you have to do is shut up about Jesus. All you have to do is not let your faith actually be lived out. And so we become adrenaline junkies, and we're a society that lives for fun, and fame and fortune and glory and all those things are, have become our goals. You know, the, for a teenager, the concept of actually reaching a, a, a society with the gospel is so foreign because we're too busy trying to get to a million likes or a million followers or whatever so that we can start making money because money has become... And we have parents who bought into it too. Yeah, son, you ought to do this so you can, make, you ought to, so you can be rich. Here's the idea for the parent. So that you can be rich and I can retire. <laughs> I mean, that's the idea for the parent, but you know what it's all doing? It's distracting us from the kingdom of God. The devil's sly. And as a roaring lion, he's going about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist? Resist through the faith. That's what we're supposed to do. We've got to figure out how we're going to resist the devil because he's, he's going to start winning this battle for us as Christians. God didn't save us. He saved us to go to heaven. But he didn't leave us here to go to heaven. The time spent here after salvation has nothing to do with my going to heaven. I get saved, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven if I die like the, like the thief on the cross, if I die ten minutes later, or if... Like John the Apostle, I die 50 years later. I'm still going to heaven. My life here is not about going to heaven after I've trusted Christ. My life here is whether my kids, my grandkids, my neighbor, my co-workers will go to heaven. That's what it's about. And I live my life in the light so they can see it. I live my life to be read of all men so the gospel has power. And the devil is trying to stop us, to kill us, to still us, to chill us, or to thrill us away from being used by God for the purpose he's called us to. Heads bowed, eyes closed, please. Christian, we've got to step up here and start resisting. We just do our testimonies, our influence is on the line. And we are called upon by God to resist.
to take that step of faith to say, I am not going to let the devil win this battle in my life. The, the, the war is over. It's won. I'm going to heaven. The battle is only about the influence of the gospel through my life. That's the battle. The war is over. But you and I are called upon by God to resist in this battle. And the devil's sly. And he's doing everything he can. Christian, will we, will we say, no, this is enough's enough. I'm not going to let the devil win this battle. I'm going to put on the armor of God, and I'm going to fight the devil, and I'm going to you know, defeat the fiery darts of the wicked, and I'm going to use the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, and we're going to go to battle today. I'm not going to roll over. Say, Pastor John. I know I'm saved. That's not the issue. I know I'm on, on the way to heaven. That's taken care of. But pastor, I'm looking at my life's influence on the cause of Christ. And I'm afraid the devil might be winning here. Killing, stealing, chilling, and thrilling me away from the things of God. Pastor, would you pray for me that I'll be courageous enough to take that step of faith to enter the battle and resist the devil. Would you pray for me, Pastor? Would you just lift your hand up? Let me see that so I can pray for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands crossed, thank you. Maybe there's someone here who say, Pastor John, the truth is, I'm not even certain I'm a Christian. You're talking to Christians about how to fight the devil, but the reality is, Pastor, I'm afraid that I'm still condemned, as the song was saying. There's not been a time that I've come to Christ and put my faith in what he did on the cross to be the payment for my sin debt. And I'm just concerned about my soul. Right now, right where you're sitting in the quietness of this moment, you can place your faith, your confidence, your trust in what Jesus Christ did on the cross as the payment for your sin debt. You can do that right now. Lord, please forgive me my sins and save me. The Bible says, Whosoever is called upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Trust him to keep his promise to forgive your sin debt through Jesus Christ. And he will do just that and you will go from condemned to justified in a moment. Would you do that right where you're sitting? Now, no one else is looking around, just you, me, and the Lord. You say, Pastor John, it's Best I know how, sitting here this morning, I took that step to trust Christ to justify me, to be my Savior. No one else is looking around. Would you just look up at me for just a moment and make eye contact with me so that I can know that you've made this decision? Is there anyone here this morning? Say, I did that this morning. Then, Christian, it's time to fight the battle. Father, give us courage. We know it's easy to be discouraged as we look at the world out there and it looks like the devil's winning. But God, help us by faith to trust your blood, your son's blood, to give us victory daily just as surely as he's given us eternal victory over sin. From the many, many that raised their hands, God, I pray that you would give them uh, wonderful victories as they enter into battle afresh and anew. And we see your son 
lifted up in each of our lives. And we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing, Where He Leads Me, I Will Follow. The altar's open to you, Christian. You step out. Let the Lord have his way as he's spoken to your heart. You step out. I can hear my Savior calling. I can hear my Savior calling. I can hear my Savior calling. Take thy cross and follow. appreciate your kind attention. Thank you. Now listen up. We have visitors every Sunday. God's just been blessing us that way. So we have visitors here today. So uh, find, when you look for them. Find someone whose first name you don't know and go introduce yourself. You say, you know, sometimes, Pastor, I look at someone, I think, I know I should know their first name, but I can't remember it. Swallow your pride and say, I can't remember it. You know, let's reintroduce ourselves to fresh and new, right? Visitors, we need you to do something for us. Walk slowly, all right? Sometimes it's like, amen, and they're gone. And uh, I, I tried, Pastor, I never could find them. So anyway, just if you walk slowly for us, we'd appreciate it. Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, give you peace. Love you all, you're dismissed. God bless. <laughs>